Uh, guys, we are here with the Horns Down podcast. It's been a while. Uh, missing my bro, Seth Oliveris, but I'm joined by my guy, Ty Hayes, Around the Table Sports. Ty, what's up, man? How you doing? Man, can't complain. Can't complain. Today's better than yesterday now that I don't have a house full of water and I'm trying to rip up flooring and deal with all of that. So, you know, it's all up from here. Uh, it's it's always up from here, especially when you're a, a boomer sooner like myself. News has kind of been quiet. I mean, you know, everything's really bull, uh, kind of boiled down to the to the transfer portal, uh, to some of the, the recruits. Yeah, to the recruits. Seems like they're they're having a they're hosting you know a set of big recruits every weekend. You know, leading up to National Signing Day next week, and you know you got 22 recruits, 22, 23 recruits as well. So. Uh, it's been a lot that's happening, but I know we got our list of things. And so let's just get right into it. You know, Horns Down podcast, we talk everything uh, OU related and we talk a little bit of national football topics as well. But today, let's talk about Smitty, the new regime. So, you know, I thought it was something interesting. Uh, my uncle sent me this a few days ago or whatever, and they were talking about the the really the key differences, kind of an inside perspective as far as the key differences in the, the Smitty regime versus the Benny Wally regime. Whereas it's, it's not, you know, a lot of people want to say goodbye to the P90X and, you know, laugh at what Benny Wally was doing. And let's be honest. Okay. It's, it's 2022. Okay. A lot of the things that Benny Wally is doing, it's, it's the future of, of what, of college football. It's what a lot of teams are going to be doing. It's not 1995. 1993 anymore where you're seeing guys just going there and just just stack weight on weight on weight on weight it's not totally healthy for the body so i'm not trying to defend billy benny wiley because in the trenches on the defensive line and the offensive line it just seemed like it was uh, uh it just didn't work it didn't really go with what we were trying to do whereas you know the benny wiley regime you have the you know, that administration, <laughs> that coaching staff, that training staff, they had the the, the offensive lineman running miles. And you're and, and when opposed to what Smitty is trying to do is basically teach explosiveness, uh, those short bursts, having strength right there, attacking that guy, not letting that person attack you, attacking that guy. So he's really trying to uh, to, to really preach that around there. And I know you know, after the testing and everything, there were people who stood out. There were guys who test well. I know you did a video about uh, Kanik. Uh, yeah, he's, yeah, he's been on my radar for a while, man. He was he was a top two of Alabama and Clemson um, yeah. when he was deciding. Ended up choosing Clemson, so he's been on my radar. He's a freak. Yeah, that kid is going to be wild once so, he sits, learns. So it's it's guys like that. Yeah, they test well, but. One of the things that poked that poked out like a sore thumb was the offensive line not being that strong, not being obviously you can put on tape and see that the the physicality, the physicalness that that used to be there for OU, you know, want to say probably college year was the last year that you had a, a, a legit eighteen, you know, yeah. yeah, yeah, it's when you have like a legit offensive line, but this offensive line just does not seem to be strong, and I know. <laughs> I was in a Twitter space the other day, and, and one of my friends, shout out to Andrew, uh, he was saying, you know, I would rather, I would rather have the kid uh, 
that's out there, you know, Bell and Hay doing all the rest of that stuff. Cause Andrew Rame said, you know, he put it out on Twitter, like, Hey, if anybody needs a helping hand around a ranch form or whatever, you know, Hey, I'm all game. And I'm just thinking like, no, it's okay to be country strong. It's good to be country strong, but you need to get in there with Smitty. You can't, you can't reenact that. You can't, you can't replace that type of, this, of, of, of regime. Go ahead. This is coming from someone who grew up on a horse ranch. Yeah. I grew up on a horse ranch, right? Like I, I did all of this. My dad trained horses. The day before I went off to UNT, I moved a thousand bales of hay with my dad. Right. So I, that's not going to cut it. Mm-hmm. I, I was five foot 11, 190 pounds, you know, good size, but I was throwing those hay. That's not going to cut it. When you're talking college football, that's mm-hmm. great if you already have everything else because that hay bailing, it's a lot of short burst explosion. That short burst explosion is good for nothing if you don't have that real strength behind it. And that's, I think, exactly what we saw last year for Oklahoma's offensive line because the form was there. If you look at the offensive line for Oklahoma last year, towards the end of the year, they were blocking much better, but watch where the line of scrimmage was. It was probably a little bit further back than most Oklahoma lines are accustomed to. Now, guys were still staying on their blocks because Oklahoma had two tackles rank very highly for pro football focus. Yeah. The offensive line ended up finishing very well. But to your point, right, like we talked in a live, Raym is a guy that when you get him in that weight room, sky's the limit for what he can do at that center position. Mm -hmm. But I really feel like you saw – kind of the inadequacies of the strength and conditioning program when you yes. watched Rame last year. Cause you and I talked about this. How many times did we see the first initial push of offensive line, defensive line was Rame getting knocked into the backfield and then he'd handle business once he it, got it good, it, but wow. Teams like Baylor where they have a strong presence as at, at the nose tackle position. And then also as I've coined it, as I call it, the crash blitz where you have the middle linebacker or a safety coming right down the middle and then you have the edge rusher coming off the edge. So practically you have three guys, you have, you have a point because you're going to have to uh, get, you have to make sure that you, you stay with the nose tackle. Gosh, I forget his name. Ika, Ika, you know who I'm talking about though. That nose tackle for him. That's just an example. Yeah. For Baylor. Yeah. 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 So, you know, you go back to that game right there, and Andrew Rain didn't even make it through the. Uh, he didn't finish the game. It was Kunja who finished the center. And you're looking at you're looking at Andrew Rain. You're saying this offseason would be is going to be extremely pivotal for you because you're the center, and I'm not going to sit here and doubt the athleticism or the talent that he has, but you got to put it together because yeah no for sure yeah like i said after that initial like point of contact you could see the ceiling of rame after that Mm -hmm. initial point of contact he'd get knocked back a bit and once he got his footing it was almost over every single he could handle his that was not an issue but it's it's the point that why i i agree with so many ou fans because i've told you my favorite hire ou's made is todd bates Mm -hmm. i love that hire that Brent Venables has made, not counting. But so many OU fans are like, no, it's Schmitty. 
And that's the whole reason why I can't be like, oh, well, you're wrong. No, you have a very real reason for thinking that. And mm-hmm. Schmidty's a dude who can help some of those shortcomings and, from last year. And, and one of the things, you know, kind of leaving that Alex Grinch era as far as speed D, speed D, speed D, which I like, I really do like speed D. I, I really love some of the principles that he, that he had out there. But yeah, seeing, some, a lot of good stuff there. Yeah. Seeing some of the guys that we've went out and, and gotten in the transfer portal, you're like, man, this defensive line is getting bigger and stronger. Start to think about speed. Some of these guys do have a little bit of speed, but it's about being bigger and stronger. Because where where is one of the the, the main points uh, of focus for uh, for offensives last year that faced that OU defense? It was basically the inside run game. It was basically let's let's basically let's do. Uh, let's get four to six yards on the ground and then set ourselves up for kind of three down ter- for four down territory pretty much. And if then we're second, the yeah. Yeah, yeah, we're second and six. Uh, now we're third and two. Okay, we're fourth and one. We're across the 40, we'll cross the 40 yard line. Okay, let's do it. <laughs> you know, and that was a point of emphasis. It was just teams were lining up and saying, we're going to slow you down because we don't think that you're tough. And meaning tough, you're not tough in the middle. You're not, you're not linebacking play was was obviously it was not that good to start the season because literally third down, third down and 15 was like third and one for a lot of teams, seriously. Because I mean they just kept throwing routes right over the middle. It was really hard to watch it sometimes because you're like, man, you guys are right there, but you can't make that play. But it was also hard to see teams like it was tough to watch. Nebraska, West Virginia, um, teams like that come in and ba- in Tulane and basically just kill us with gadget plays and just gashing us through uh, up the middle. You yeah. know, it, Nebraska for sure. Like I, I yeah. felt like when I watched, when I was watching all the film requisite to that Nebraska OU game, you know, going into that, I was like, oh, OU is going to absolutely destroy Nebraska. And then I watched the film and I was like, oh, you's going to win this game. There's, I, I don't, but I was impressed with how Nebraska was actually attacking teams. Yeah. And Nebraska is their own worst enemy. If you ever have the time, man, go back and watch their season again. Oh, no, I watched a lot of the games. They might have one or two more wins easily if they would have get out of their own way sometimes. And as far as like penalties, not against OU, because I think, Nebraska played about as well as they could have liked to against yeah. OU. Um, but that was a good team. Not great, but a good team. But even then, when I looked at how Nebraska was attacking teams with that RPO, that's where I was like, oh, well, they could actually surprise some people and move the ball with a little bit more frequency. Mm-hmm. But to your point, man, I think one thing we do need to remember, linebackers are getting picked on all across the nation right yeah. now. Right. Yeah. And that's why Canick is a guy that like I made that video on because I don't want to shower him in hype, but I do want to kind of start planting the seed of like that's the type of athleticism you need. Cause you see Georgia, mm-hmm. Nicobe Dean's flying all over the field. You yeah. can't isolate Nicobe Dean. You just can't, unless you gotta have a bomb slot. Yeah. So I He's feel a student bad. of the game. Oh yeah, I feel bad picking on linebackers saying like, oh, you need we need higher play from the linebackers. I've said it. Yeah. How many times have I said it about Alabama? But the the reality is like I think both things can be true, right? Like I think the modern offenses pick on linebackers to the point where if there is a small problem, it makes mm-hmm. it look like a very large problem. But I'll say this right here for just 
I don't want to pick on the guys because I love our linebacking core. I think we're deep and we're talented, even with exciting next year. Yeah, it's exciting with, with the potential. But it's just one of those things where outside of our Russian hybrid Nick Benito, who really played the most consistent football at linebacker. Some people would say Danny Stutzman. Some people may even say towards the end of the season, a Shane Whittier. Um, I mean, it it was a bunch of names. But when you look at the names that you were looking for coming into the season, Aguaybu did not really have the season that he he was supposed to have. Stripling was a bit injured, but at the same time, he was inconsistent. When he was hot, he was hot. When he was not, you didn't hear anything from him, to be honest with you. Still right, a question. Fix that all up. Yeah, there, there's still a question mark about, you know, is Clayton Smith going to put his hand on the ground or is he going to be, you know, standing up? But it's um, it's just fascinating to see the, the vibe that's around campus and the vibe that's around this team now. Uh, the shift in attitude, the shift in grit, kind of just a shift and just just thought the whole mentality around it. But I do expect OU to be tougher, not just because of Smitty, but because of the overall scheme, um, the coaching that you're going to get at yep. those positions. And, you know, shout out to Thibodeau, shout out to especially Jamar Kane. Hey, Jamar Kane, not only is he a great recruiter, but he's a really great coach. He's an up-and-comer too. Um, he's a but, yeah, Dude. but you're looking, but you're looking at Todd Bates, and you're like, shoot, man, him and him and Chavez, maybe we, maybe we're better because it, the feel is our coaching staff is better than what we just, I mean, than what we lost. The coaching staff that we have now is better than the coaching staff that we that we just lost. One of the things I thought was really interesting, I was listening to, I think the uh, the Voice of Oklahoma I was listening to their their podcast yesterday, and they pointed out, oh no, it was uh, actually Brandon Drum and Parker Thune. They were saying it's funny because one of the funny things about this whole situation is is that recruiting wise, we lost great recruiters, but we replaced them with great recruiters as well. So that's a really fascinating, I guess, replacement that happened. What's your think? What's your thoughts about that? Well, I mean, when I, when you say you lost great recruiters, you did. You didn't lose a recruiter as good as Todd Bates. Yeah, there was not one person on that former staff that could recruit at the level of Todd Bates. And look, I love Jamar Kane, right? Like there were two moves one of which Lincoln accomplished, the other of which he didn't. One, I think, is going to come back to bite him. The first thing Lincoln did, and I know this isn't going to be popular amongst OU fans, but it's, it's provo- proving a larger point here. One thing Lincoln did that was great was retain Dante Williams, the cornerback mm-hmm. coach, because that guy was an ace for recruiting. And I was even of the mindset that if they didn't retain him and they just took Roy Manning, Damani Jackson was Bama all the way. Yeah, I wasn't worried about it. Obviously, Lincoln didn't just take Manning. He kept him, gets Damani Jackson. Where Lincoln screwed up, though, he needed Jamar King. Because to your point, he's an up-and-comer. And I'm a little upset that he didn't keep Jamar Kane because now as an Alabama fan, I got to worry about Jamar Kane at LSU of all places. Yeah. Of all, because at least in California, there's a lot of distraction. You got UCLA, you got Stanford, Oregon's right up the road. You got nothing 
in Louisiana other than LSU. And you know how hard it is already recruiting against LSU. And now you put in Jamar Kane. Yeah. This is what I've said to people that have asked me if I think that the coaching staff is better. I can't give a definite yes because results have not been put on the field yet. Right. Yeah. And it's just like, I, I, you know how high I am on Brent Venables. I'm so happy y'all got him out of Clemson because God's mercy, he was a thorn in my side as an Alabama fan. Now he's got a program. But I want to see how that translates to a head coach. Now, I have no doubts, uh, and I think it's very clear through my videos, I I have no reason to expect that he isn't going to succeed, right? Mm -hmm. The the tone of my videos has always been very impressed with Brent Venable. But the the reality is we need to see it on the field. Here's what I will say having said that, though. Mm -hmm. When I look at the names, if you were just to blindfold me and pick the names – I'd pick the current staff over the one you just lost simply because I find myself liking defense more than offense. Yeah. And so I mean, I, I, I think that's, I think that's kind of where a lot of OU fans are. And honestly, Ty, that little, that spiel that you just gave, that's a great segue into one of our next subjects anyways, is why OU won't miss a beat or why will they miss a beat? So okay. I, I'll just go ahead and say, I don't think OU is going to miss a beat. I think at at the very least, at the very worst, this team goes 11 and 2 next year. Where those two again, where those two losses come from, I really don't know. So, it, it's kind of hard because you if you look at our schedule outside of the 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 hated, the vaunted, the the disgrueling, the tiresome, the 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 game that pisses me off the most, which is going to freaking Ames, Iowa, on a Thursday night. It gets freaky around there. That's a that's always a tough game, no matter who they have. But there's a certain vibe, there's a certain feel, a certain just atmosphere around here that we didn't have whenever Lincoln was here. And what I mean, what I mean by that is, if I may elaborate, what I mean by that is the fact that, you know, I told my uncle, I said, hey, if Lincoln was still the coach, hell yeah, I would say we should win that game by 30, but I know we'd probably go up there and mess around and end up end up only winning that game by seven points. Because that's kind of typical of a Lincoln team. Because going into uh these last few years with Lincoln Riley. We've talked about it on countless podcasts, especially leading up to this last season. What is going to be the trap game for OU? Where's what is the game that they're going to struggle? And what did I tell you? What game did I keep I keep I kept screaming about Ty I said Baylor. Baylor. Baylor is the game. Baylor is the game. That is going to be a game. And that's what it turned out to be. But with Venables at the helm the feeling is just really different. You feel comfortable going up there to Ames. I think that, I think that now, if I may just let me sidetrack for a second, let me get out, let me vent a little bit. I think what really kind of irks me the most about what the outside noise, Texas, Oklahoma state, and everybody else that has their opinions about what's going on at OU right now. I think what irks me the most is the fact that it feels like a lot of these teams are projecting their emotions on us. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Because your squad went five and seven. My squad didn't. Yeah, my squad lost uh, lost Benito 
Winfrey, Isaiah Thomas, and I think Isaiah Thomas may be the, the, the one that you miss the most next year, maybe, okay? Um, and, yeah, we, we're losing Caleb Williams. I'm not going to sit here and say there's not a gap, there's not a talent gap between Caleb Williams and uh, Gabriel, okay? I think Dave, Dylan Gabriel is great, but he's yeah. not Caleb Williams. Not I'm not going to say that. We lost Mario Williams. Yeah, we lost Jaden Hazelwood. However, we're not like Texas, who is going to be relying on a lot of true freshmen next year. A lot of true freshmen. Hell, you may have one of the most talented, uh, sought-after quarterbacks ever, but at the end of the day, he's still a he's still he's a redshirt freshman, but he's going to be a a true freshman with no college reps. He has. Two two in-game snaps, and that's it. So it's kind of hard for me to sit there and say that our team is going to be worse next year and bad. I'm like, no, you should worry about yourself. Okay, now let's now that we got that out of my system, let's go to OU. Okay, so I think that with Dylan Gabriel, he obviously has a connection with Levy, and he knows that offense. So – they put up big time numbers. Like I said on your show, uh, this um, the last show that we all did together with me, you, and Jance. Shout out to Jance. But when you our look at Dylan Gabriel, right huh? I said our boy's cold right now. Oh yeah, he's 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 sad. But when you uh, when you look at Dylan Gabriel, go go watch his highlights. I challenge people go watch his highlights. Be go surprised. watch his highlights against really good teams and good defenses. Don't sleep. Here's the thing. Go watch him against East Eastern Car- East Carolina. East Carolina had a really good defense this year. Go watch him, and, and it's not like they're putting out. Uh, they're just losing guys to the draft left and right. They've had that team for years. Okay, that same team. Then go look at Cincinnati and go look at the games that he had against them and the respect that you give Sauce Gardner, Kobe Bryant, and that just that secondary as a whole. Look at his mechanics. Look at the way that he was able to sling that ball around and just look at, at he at, at just look at the 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 whole the total package of that is Dylan Gabriel. And tell me that you're not confident leaving uh leaving you know after finishing watching that film. Cause I left confident. I was like, you know what? I'm sold on him. I actually like him because I watched enough film just to say I think that he can I think he can get the job done. And just the fact that you know that. He's had good wide receivers, but he hasn't had a Marvin Mims. Okay? He hasn't had a Marvin Mims in company. He hasn't played with the talent of an OU. Okay? And I know a lot of people talk about injuries and this and that and that and this, but you got to understand he's never played with an offensive line that was built like OU's as well. Okay? So – you look at that, then you look at the, the wide receiver core. Theo Weiss, Marvin Mims are coming back, and then you got guys like Jalil Farouk, Brian Darby, uh, Trevon West, Cody Jackson, uh, Jaden Gibson, um, and the list goes on. And I'm sh- I- I'm hoping that they add another wide receiver from the portal, but you're just looking at that, that offense, and you're saying this offense could be really scary. It just all depends on can will the players buy in and will they be able to learn that levy system? Because it's not a hard system to learn, but it's a hard system to master. And you can say that about a lot of things. And then defensively, I'll just turn it over. I mean, defensively, come on, man. I mean, I just feel like 
<laughs> I already feel like we back. I'm sorry. Defensively, it's just going to be different, man. Woody Washington, Key Lawrence, Reggie Grimes, uh, Jalen Redmond, guys like that. I'm I'm looking for big seasons, man. I'm looking for really big seasons. Go ahead, Ty. So this is the interesting thing, right? Because do I think Oklahoma could take a step back next year? Or mm-hmm. do I think they could lose a step? Yes, but I don't know that it would matter. I don't know that it would be enough of a step to where it would ultimately matter for the Oklahoma Sooners. And the reason I say that is everybody has growing pains. That's only natural when you get in as much new as Oklahoma has. There will inevitably be growing pains. But I don't know that it matters. And here's the reason why. Because OU is experiencing all of this turnover at the perfect junction within the Big 12. The reason I say that is Texas. They've got a lot up in the air. Okay, let's assume Quinn Ewers is the guy and he Mm -hmm. is advertised. Okay, well, that's all great. But is the offensive line going to be good enough to afford him the protection needed? Because outside of that, they've killed the transfer portal as far as getting weapons. Weapons is not the issue for the Longhorns offense. It's what can the front do to protect the quarterback long enough to get the weapons the ball. And then Mm -hmm. on the flip side, how's the defense going to look? Right, because that's an area that needs a lot of help for Texas. So that Texas has a lot up in the air. There's that. Iowa State is in a position where they're losing a lot of the veteran pieces oh, wow. offensively. Right? Yeah. They retain some guys defensively. I don't think it's enough though. And I think that we saw how much of their offense was reliant on a few players last year, especially in the bowl game. And so they're losing that. You look, Oklahoma State just lost their defensive coordinator who was sensational this year. And then other people are following him. The only team that you look at and you're like, okay, well they return a whole lot as Baylor. So Baylor, let's just say for this conversation's sake is the favorite going in. Even at the current circumstances, I don't know that Oklahoma loses enough of a step for it to be a real marketable difference. Does that make sense? in what I'm saying, like time to experience all of this turnover, this, was the season and and to take nothing from Baylor okay I have my thoughts about what happened in the Oklahoma State game but that's for another day okay Baylor whooped our ass okay they made more plays down the stretch it 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 was a 10-10 game and then they said you know what I'm tougher than you they felt like they were better than us we all know who the more who had the more most talent on the field but at the end of the day, they were more physical and they were popping us. They whooped our ass. So I'm and not no going to Baylor return all that talent. They also yeah. have more continuity at the coaching than Oklahoma mm-hmm. does right now. Yeah. Even though I love hey. talk to bottom OU staff, Aranda's now in year three. He's yeah. more comfortable. It's all of that into the equation. And I think one of the things that you're looking at for Baylor is 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 I, that I know the defense is still going to be it's going to be stingy. It's going to be a little bit nasty here and there. I know that offensively though that's you know losing thornton that's a big thing and also you got to you got to ask yourself you know are we so, are we solid at the quarterback position because uh bohannon 
Well, Hannon is really inconsistent. Can he take that next step, or are you going to have to turn the reins over to the uh, to the backup? Because honestly, the backup looked really good out there against o- Oklahoma State. He just did what he had to do. He he made the right reads and he made the right plays, and it paid off for him. To be honest, I'm an Alabama fan. We had quarterbacks that won us national championships doing just that. Don't yeah. lose us the game, but get it to the people that will win us the game. Cool. But here, here's one of the things that I would say that we definitely focus and you know i always point this out on every show that we do together my own show your show whatever look at the schedules last year really helped teams like oklahoma state and baylor baylor got both texas and ou at home last year okay so think about that all right um i think baylor came off a, a loss and then they came and played. Yeah, you're going to be energetic. You really have nothing to lose. You're coming to, uh, you know, we're coming to you. You're going to be hyped. Your crowd is going to be going. Of course, it's a feel good moment. Get what I'm saying? It's an upset. But you look at old state and you're looking at them. And you're saying, look, getting Derek Mason. That was that was really cavalier. That was really awesome. Like I did not. I, you could have threw a ten hats. You could have threw ten names inside of the hat, and I would never pick that one. That's a great hire. He's not Knowles. Yes. He's not a bum, but he's not Knowles. At least he's not Knowles. He's not. <clears throat> That's a good hire. Like I, we're sounding like we're taking away from it. So we're having to double back now. We're just pointing out the reality. He's not no, Knowles. Tom, I, Tom, I'm gonna have to argue with you on that one right there. Honestly, he may be better. He may be, <laughs> excuse me, he may be better than Knowles. I don't know. I don't know. Here's here's the interesting thing about that hire. Here's the interesting thing about that hire. We're going to have to see if Derek Mason can work with less, if he can do more with less. Okay. I mean, he was with Vandy. Huh? Wasn't he? He was with Vandy. He was with Vandy and he was getting blown out. Okay. I get that. But at the same time, he was the head coach. He was all of that, blah, 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 all that. Jazz. I'm just saying, coming to OC. Okay. Okay, Ty. Okay. I, I just. I'm arguing for y'all. I think y'all are in a better position because Knowles isn't there. <laughs> I think we would have been in a better position even if he was there. I think there's something to that, but I think in the grand scheme of things, that kind of circles back to my greater point, right? Where yeah. if there was any year to experience all of this, yeah, this was the one. Yeah, this was the year to experience all of this because you have turnover, Oklahoma State has turnover, Iowa State has talent turnover. I mean, everywhere in the Big 12, there's question marks. TCU has turnover. So I I just think that it lined up perfectly for y'all. There's one other thing before I hand it back to you I did want to say. And it was about, you said other teams are so interested in OU because you think they're projecting. Here's what I will say. It's probably a little bit strange for other teams to see a team such as OU that had a staff that took them to the college football playoffs. Mm Mm-hmm. Hire a staff where we can reasonably have a conversation of, is this staff, at the very least, comparable? Yeah. How many times off the top of your head can you think about a team such as OU 
losing a staff in the way they did, and we can reasonably have this conversation, is this staff comparable? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's going to get people in their feels because a lot of people aren't going to want to have that realization. That at the very least, this staff could be comparable to the last staff, and that's a scary proposition. We don't see that happen much, but that's a testament to blue blood status. Yeah. I get it, but you know, Texas fans some haters though, bro. <laughs> they hate every chance they get, oh, bro. They hate every chance they get. There's a few teams that inevitably are going to experience more hate than others, right? Yeah. I, 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 but Ty, I had a Texas fan tell me the other day that <laughs> with the NIL coming, uh, with the NIL being the way that it is now. OU's too poor to compete for recruits and that the state of Texas is going to wrap up all of their revenue generating. Then I I heard, then then this guy told me that we were a billion dollars in debt. And I was like, bro, we were talking about wins and losses. Why are we talking? (laughs) What are we talking about? So that our top 10 revenue earner. And that's one of the funny things because I had another Texas fan say it, it's funny that 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 those Texas fans will say that whenever football is uh, OU football could pay for anything or everything at at the school by itself and I'm like I I keep trying to tell people but we're we're a poverty program I guess but no um am I going to say national championship aspirations? I have no idea. But one of the the great things about next year is that you will be able to know week three, week four, um, probably week five or week six, whenever you hit Texas, because you're going to have, you got to go to uh, Nebraska week three, and then you come back. And then the next week you're playing against K-State at home. So you're going to have some games early on. It's coming kind of, give you going to help you be able to gauge what kind of team this is. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, think- I think OU is going to be good. I don't know about national championship. The only mm-hmm. reason I say that is when you look at some of those top teams, like what Ohio yeah. state returns, what my yeah. tide returns, it's disgusting yeah. Like in, in terms of just like coaching talent. OU is going to be really, I think OU is going to turn heads. I do. Because I think a lot of people, to your point, are going to expect to fall off and it's not going to happen in the manner they do because I just think the stars are aligned. You know what we got to talk about next. I hate that we have to talk about it, but we need to talk about it. Caleb Williams. Yeah, the story that keeps on giving. You're the recruiting guru. You're the transfer portal whiz. Go ahead, man. I mean, just just fill us in. At this point, I I don't know if I don't know if it's no one knows or if no one cares. I think no one knows. Yeah. And I think by the day, people are starting to care less. Yeah. Right. Like I think every day that goes on, people are caring less and less now. Look, if we're talking about what makes the most logical sense, it's got to be USC. Yeah. For for all the reasons stated, right? Like you got Lincoln Riley there, the continuation, the familiarity, plus Mario Williams enters the transfer portal and says, I'm going wherever he's going. Now, one of them's at USC, the other isn't. But in comes Wisconsin. Here's what I'll say. Paul Christ, the man has worked with quarterbacks before, right? Like he's got an understanding of quarterbacks. And if I'm not mistaken right now, one of the things that's being watched Wisconsin is talking with the Baltimore tight end coach. Apparently, 
that has a relationship. I don't know what kind of relationship, but they have a relationship with the Williams. So that's something to watch. There could be some more familiarity in coming to Wisconsin. But even then, man, like I just, I, I think if you, at this point, Wisconsin's not a bad option, but I think it's it makes more sense USC for all the reasons given. Like I just, I think that that's the better option, but I don't think that Wisconsin's a bad one, right? Like Chris is Chris has worked with quarterbacks before. We know what he can do. But USC's just gotten so much hype. What a miss this would be for Riley. And look, we can say I think Miller Moss is the quarterback they have that looks pretty good. But, I mean, he literally put his eggs into the Caleb Williams basket. And if USC doesn't get Caleb Williams, what a miss this will be for them. What's your thoughts on this? Because, like, I, I truly believe at this point, nobody knows. Because I've heard so many conflicting reports. I've heard that... He was literally looking at UCLA, and then I've heard that the whole UCLA thing was only a front and that they never really had meetings, and then two weeks later, the meetings occurred. I, I've i heard so much conflicting information from reputable sources. Yeah. I don't know what's going on anymore. I mean, I think outside of the, the, the photos that were floating around on Twitter that I think we've all seen of his dad outside – looking over everything, his car and all the rest of that stuff that was being towed away on that uh, uh, by the movers or whatnot. I think that was pretty much the only thing that we've seen. But I had a car towed in college, too, but it wasn't a Range Rover. It wasn't a Range Rover. But uh, <laughs> I uh, I know that, um, like I said, it's, I think it's just to the point now where I know for OU, OU fans, it's like, who cares? Like, it is what it is. We would like to have closure on the situation, but at the same time, I, I think he missed his mark. You know, when he first – and you remember I texted you and I said, hey, he's going to enter the portal, just a heads up. It's yeah, going to happen. You text me that day. Yeah, be, I mean, yeah before it happened. A week and a half yeah. before it happened. And I know, like, talking to my aunt, I said, hey, man, I said, uh, how many days would you give Caleb, you know, as far as, like, you know, giving him enough time to make a decision? And he said, I think it was like Tuesday, whenever he did announce. And I know my aunt said, huh, Friday, you know, three days. So straight up Friday, I got to have a decision. If not, then we got to move on. And I mean, that's kind of what you, that's what you saw. And I know uh, some of the reports and some of the things that I heard, I heard was the, was the fact that his parents, I mean, him and his dad kind of felt side, you know, they, they felt some type of way about, Dylan Gabriel coming in and all the rest of this stuff because they felt like, but hey, we talk that. to you every day. You didn't talk to us about this, blah, 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 this and that. And I think they overestimated their value or their worth with OU because at the end of the day, and you know, also what I heard is Levy told them straight up, like, look, <laughs> at the end of the day, I got to make sure that I, my quarterback room is still good. Like, I can't just sit here and wait, and, and it's your job, but at the same time, if you're not going to come back, I don't know. That makes no sense. If if I was running that quarterback room, and they yeah. would have hit me up with, a, oh, well, we're now upset with you because you went and got a different quarterback, I'd have been like, okay. Cool. <laughs> you chose to enter the transfer portal. You want to hold me, Hoss? Like, cool. Like, 
genuinely and that's i've had this tone in all of my videos right because i i want people to realize two things can be true one that the athlete in the equation should be able to make the best decision for what they deem for their future that should be true yeah but the other thing that is also true is just because a is true does not mean that b the institution has to handcuff themselves waiting for that decision to be made yeah. no there's a lot of good quarterbacks out here there's a lot of good quarterbacks out here. If you don't want to be a Sooner, that's cool. No hard feelings. Go do whatever it is that's going to make you happy. Everybody deserves the pursuit of happiness, yeah. including Dylan Gabriel. And part of his pursuit of happiness is going to OU. So mm -hmm. that that would have – I'm not going to lie, man. If I was a coach, <laughs> that would have rubbed me the wrong way well, quick. I'd have been well, just like, you did this to yourself. Yeah. Well, it's one of those things where you got to think as well. It's like, yeah, we talk every day. I recruited you for the entire month leading up to the bowl game. Like, I mean, we've talked every day about how you're going to fit in my system, development, this and that. Matt Corral, this and that, Matt Corral. Again, this and that, Matt Corral. <laughs> These are the ways that I'm going to fit you into the system. These are the things that you can and will be able to do. And I just thought it's just been interesting the whole time to see the flux. But I, Wisconsin, to me, here's the thing about Wisconsin. It's great what they did with Russell Wilson and all the rest of that stuff. But, man, that was so freaking long ago, Ty. That was no, so sure. freaking long ago. The game has changed. Wisconsin started to put up numbers towards the end of the season, but they started playing softer competition. They played a softer part of their schedule, okay? It wasn't like they played great teams week in and week out because we all know what happened when they went and played. The only team that they, they played, uh, well, hell, it was close for a little bit, and then I, I think that game got blue wide open was uh, Notre Dame, but Ohio State's and teams like that, like they can't, they're not on the same level as those teams. And my whole thing is, like, you go there and, you, I mean, <laughs> Wisconsin, I, I just don't – I don't think that they allow – I get the pro style. I get the pro style, but I don't think that Wisconsin allows him to be the dynamic dual-threat quarterback that he is. But that's why that hire coming from Baltimore. Um, so I know that I, – I said earlier the guy's a tight end coach, and I knew instantly that's not right. This guy's worked with Lamar Jackson the guy that yeah. Wisconsin's talking about getting. I love Lamar Jackson, man. Like he's one of my, here's my thing. If I'm Caleb Williams, I'm more comfortable. This is me. I'm not Caleb, but if I was Caleb and I was looking at the situation and I was presented somebody that worked with Lamar Jackson, it'd be so hard for me to say no. The one thing that would stick in my mind is what's the one thing that people still criticize Lamar about for right, wrong, or indifferent is throwing when the time needs to happen, right? It's throwing yeah. the football. Lamar is a great quarterback, but he's still developing. Caleb is still developing, right? I, I think a lot of people, you and I had this debate last year, right after the Texas game, right? And this was what I kept trying to say without actually having to explicitly say it when you were like, Caleb deserves to be in the Heisman running. You remember the one thing I kept telling you? Let yeah. me know when he plays a defense that's not full of middle schoolers. And the yeah. second that happened, less than 100 yards. The guy is unbelievable. He is going to be a 
top five pick in the draft. But he still needs to develop as all young quarterbacks do. Yeah. That's why, to your point, Wisconsin, I don't like it as much as even Lincoln Riley or Jeff Levy. Like, those two, to me, are the two quarterback developers out of the three where I'm like, okay, well, these two make sense for what I want to do. I need to continue working on reading a defense. I need to continue working on layering. I need to continue working on these things. Whereas at Wisconsin, I worry that it's going to be a one-and-done read. Mm -hmm. They're going to have him be like, if your number one wide receiver isn't there, tuck it and run. What's great in college, that doesn't work in the league. Well, that's the, and, and insane could be said of a lot of people. Some people will say that about Levy. Some people will say that that offense just is not, it just does not translate to the league. And it's, it's one of those things where we don't really know what translates to the league. Okay. Because no, but there's different styles, right? Yeah, there's different so styles. RPO now, it's mm-hmm. so weird because I was talking to somebody and they said, How would you classify Levy's offense? And I was like, Well, it's an RPO, right? Yeah, like, it's, it's RPO based. Yeah. But just saying it's RPO based doesn't give it justice because it has shades of so many different styles of offenses from so many different eras that mm-hmm. now you have this weird amalgamation. Whereas if I look at what they're doing at Wisconsin, I think that's a bit more cut and dry vanilla. You get what I mean? Whereas mm-hmm. Levy has ways to go deeper into the system that can yield itself to success on the next level with how to understand defense. And I think we saw that this year. Whereas I, I'd worry about something being cut and dry. Regardless, if this dude goes and develops, we're talking about a first round quarterback. Like the sky is truly yeah. the limit for Caleb. He's so talented. I, I think I think the problem with some people with, with Levy is just a simple fact of, you know, coming from that brawls offensive tree. Um, a lot of people say outside of RG3, what other quarterback has had success in the league coming from that system? And I think that's unfair. To, I think that's unfair to 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 Caleb if Caleb was to shock the world and come back to OU, right? I think that'd be unfair to Caleb because the thing is, is that it's not about Daryl. Changed so much in that time, though. <laughs> One out of one out of five number one draft picks, one out of five like number one quarterback draft picks, one out of five uh, top five quarterback draft picks in any draft. It's hard to say that that guy, even though he may have threw for ten thousand yards, he may have threw for eight thousand yards. He can throw for eight thousand yards in one freaking season. Will he have instant success success in the NFL? Nobody knows. Because you look at a Trevor Lawrence, who everybody in college said that he was a can't miss uh, a guy. He's a once in a lifetime, once in a generation type talent. Now people are calling him a bust. And if you don't think that's unfair, I think it's unfair. Yeah, I mean, hell, he's yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's playing with the people. Look, I mean, you can go back and look at look at freaking Sam Bradford. Sam Bradford, some people call him a bust, but you look at that team and you're like, one. Only thing wrong with Sam Bradford is he's made of glass. Yeah. They never, they, and they can never put any weapons around him. Yeah. But that's the whole thing. It's really unfair to put that on us because the thing is that people call, people were, were like, oh man, he could go up there and mess with Chip Kelly and really turn things. How's Marcus Mariota doing in the league? You get what I'm saying? It's, there's no one formula for one quarterback to 
to go into the league ready-made. There's a, a six-round draft pick who is probably the greatest of all time <laughs> at quarterback. And it's all about the system, the place, and the setting that you go. Will they help you be prosper? Uh, will they help you prosper or turn into a a a great quarterback? Will they help you turn into one of the greats? Okay. It's like this. Mac Jones might have been the best rookie quarterback this year, but if I would have polled random college football fans, I don't think they'd have thought Mac Jones would have been better than Justin Fields or Trevor Lawrence. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. But you it's... see what happens when he goes to a system that matches. Yeah. They match what they want to do. Like, I, I and the, you're 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 making such a good point. But one thing I'd like to hit home again is football's changed so much since RG3 came out that that offense, that style is now more prevalent in the NFL. Yeah. Right. So if somebody's saying like, Oh, well nine years ago, 10 years ago, there was a guy who didn't work out in that system. Yeah. 10 years ago, the NFL looked a lot different than it did now. Right. Like the game, think how fast college football and the NFL has changed. Mm -hmm. Right. Mark Ingram won the Heisman in 2009. Yeah. Right? Like, that's really not that long ago. And we were in the eye. And we were going to run it down your throat. Yeah. That was that was not long ago. That Alabama no. team is looks way different than the Alabama team. <laughs> like, that's how fast football has evolved. And so whenever yeah. we're like, oh, well, that system didn't work 12 years ago. Yeah. Look at the evolution of football, and now that system is the catalyst of football. Not necessarily the Bryles one, but similar systems. Like That's a catalyst within college mm-hmm. football now. So, I mean, I don't really worry about that. I don't – because – and here's the other thing. You're getting your results in college. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, like, we Matt Corral is really going to be the mark for what Jeff Levy does as far as developing. But even then – Matt Corral balled out in college. Yeah. There you go. He got you in a position to get you drafted. There you go. That's all that matters. We need draft picks. I mean, hell, defensively, we're looking at we all knew that K9 was gonna be was was gonna be that guy with the charges. We all knew Kenneth Murray was gonna be all world. Yeah, he has to work. Not only does he have the talent, but he has to work ethic as well. You get what I'm saying? Like it, it's funny because that you know, just a sidetrack, that's the level that I feel like OU is really trying to get to where you know, I would always tell Seth, I was like, hey, we don't have a bunch of Kenneth Murrays this year, but what we do have, we have a lunch pail crew. We don't really have that name. Does that make sense? Outside, you know, obviously this year we had Benito, we had Winfrey, we had uh, Isaiah Thomas. So we had names, but coming into that, that, that K-9 year, leaving that year right there, you know, Benito was coming into his own, um, uh, you know, Winfrey, Isaiah Thomas, they were kind of just coming on, right? But you're looking at it and you're saying, we didn't really have that guy. We were like, we see him, but you got to become that guy. We didn't know who was going to be that dude. So you're saying, that's the lunch pill crew. But when you look at like an Alabama, man, you guys have k nines just running around. I mean, <laughs> now on your bench, they're on the field. I mean, there's guys there who have that all-world all type talent but also had a work ethic behind it. You but got my, to. My point, yeah. with, my point with the whole K-9 thing is just the fact that having a Kenneth Murray go in the first round of the draft, you're saying, God, thank you so much. We finally got a defensive player in the first round 
at linebacker. That matters. That's going to, that matters. That matters. Because now you're not now you're able to say, look, I put Kenneth Murray in the league in the first round. I got Neville Gallimore in the third round. What can you do? Now we can actually have those conversations with kids and we're not just going and saying, hey, you're going to be able to play here opposed if you go to Alabama, you may have to gray shirt, blah, 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 this and that. Yeah, we're OU, but at the same time, we haven't had that defensive recruiting that I feel like we're going to get now in that boost. But to the main point of this, though, with Caleb Williams, I really don't know. I just think it's been drawn out too long. I don't think that uh, Wisconsin is the team. Uh, that he should go to, but we shall see. Um, My question is, man, and I'll let you move it on after this one. Do you think that this is a front? Like, do you think that all of this is kind of an elaborate ruse because it was so easy for him to just go USC that they don't want to make it look like this has been planned? Well, as long as his eligibility is not being messed with, then he should go there. <laughs> he should go to USC. It's a slam dunk, to be honest with you. Um, uh uh, it's going to elevate. I feel like a move like that f- with Caleb Williams would elevate the Pac-12 a little bit. It would make Absolutely. it would it would give teams something to kind of play for to prove a point. Like, hey, you know, people say we're a, we're a sorry league or whatnot, but let us show you because USC is going to have their struggles next year as well. USC, I, I'm sure I, I'm I'm confident that Raleigh is going to be successful there at some point in his tenure next year. I don't know. I think it may be a struggle simply because. There's a there's a certain talent that he just doesn't have there, but it's the same. It's exciting because I mean, Latrell McCutcheon, Dominique Jackson, that 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 the back set the back the backfield could be cool, but it's the front seven, and I'm like, I don't really know anything about it. But outside of that, I'm just like, yeah, you got to stack something else. Yeah. So, um, you know, I mean, I I don't know. Ty, I really don't know. I don't think it's a front. I think what it is that he's really truly looking at all his options. I think we all know where he should go and where he most likely will end up. But at the same time, you got to look at all your options or whatnot. Um, but yeah, moving on, Jackson Dart, have you heard anything about? I, I mean, obviously, I think the news is out there that he's enrolled at Ole Miss. And then you hear stuff about him being enrolled at BYU. I did a video earlier about him being enrolled at Ole Miss, and then maybe 45 minutes after that, the stuff about BYU came up. I'm going to assume it's Ole Miss because right now, right, like I've seen screenshots off of Twitter that say BYU, whereas I have a Sports Illustrated article that says Ole Miss. You get what I mean when I say that? So I think – I think if, if you ask me where he should go, I would say BYU. Really? If he's not going to come to us, I would say BYU. See, I love the old Miss move. Why? I, I like the old Miss move as well because of Lane Kiffin, but I think that if you go to BYU and you're Jackson Dart, I think you could go that Zach Wilson, that you can go that that route. But you got to remember what he just got out of this portal, man. Like they yeah. they got a lot of talent. Zach Evans going to Ole Miss via TC. Yeah. Like that that they're a quarterback away from some nasty stuff. No, they're more than a quarterback away. I'm gonna be honest them. with you. Their quarterback is not that bad though. The one that they had playing in that game when Corral went out. No, but because they have no defense, you need a difference maker. 
at yeah. the corner. Like you need yeah. a true. Now, is that Dart? I don't know. I haven't gotten to see enough of Dart yet, but he looks good from what I have seen. Yeah. So, I mean, I who knows there? I think Ole Miss is the move because you look at the pieces around him. You look at Lane Kiffin, and I think it just makes sense. But that is interesting about BYU and the Zach Wilson. Like that, that's a real thing. I, I mean, I would. I, I think that there will be a knock that you did not play against top tier competition, and when you could go to the SEC and do that. But at the same time, I think that BYU may. I don't know. It's just. It's I'm gonna ask you this question, bro. Yeah. Right. Like I think that Old Miss is the better choice. But I'm going to ask you, you get two options. You get to play at BYU and against that schedule, or you get to play at Ole Miss, and once every year you're going to stare across from 31 and 15 in Crimson. That does not sound like fun. No, it doesn't. Anderson's going to take your leg off. (laughs) Man, but at the same time, though, at the same time. If you you ball out. BYU. He can't come over after 12. <laughs> oh, miss. I can party anytime I want. I can do what I need to do. They think, I think I think some of the off the field things will kind of sway a, a 18 to 20 year old Chris. More, more than it's, it's, I'm more than an athlete. All right. Yeah. I'm more than an athlete. <laughs> I'm going. <laughs> all right. Oh. Um, Ty, what's up? Is there any other recruiting news or any national topics that you could think of that we should talk about? No, so talk about the transfer portal. So yeah, we're we're gonna talk about the transfer portal and I think finish it up on transfer portal and just a bit of recruiting. And I think we yeah. can tie it in. You know, the transfer portal, we talked about this on the live stream. I think there's a thought right now amongst some fans that okay, well, now we've hit the quiet time, right? Like we're not gonna see. No, no, no. No, we, we might have hit a quiet month or so, but mm. you wait for spring ball to start yeah. and someone to figure out, I'm not the second string wide receiver. I'm not the the second string guard I thought I was. I'm number three on this chart. I'm out. You're going to have dudes hit this portal here soon. So keep your options open in that regard. But if we're talking about like OU in particular, y'all are making some strong pushes. Yeah, for, for a lot of players to finish out this class, and especially at that defensive line position, you know, like the, you see all the crystal balls inserted for Grayson Morton. Um, mm-hmm. from he's from California, right? Off the top yeah. of my head, he's from yeah, yeah, California. Was committed to Oregon. I think Miami's a player to watch in that because of the continuation of familiarity with a Mario Cristobal. Yeah. And let's be honest, like what you said, I'm more than an athlete. We're talking about Miami. <laughs> you know, like if there was one place in college football outside of USC where you're like, if they get back on a positive trajectory, we might need to watch out because it's going to get tough. It's Miami. Bro, right? I thought I thought Cyrus Moss was a – I was like, uh, when I saw him, like, you know, flirting with the idea of going to USC, I was like, it's got to be – he looks like a wide receiver. Then I looked I, – I, like, I went to his Twitter and I looked at some of the pictures. I said, holy shit. I said, he's different. Yeah, he's different. And I and and when he could, I went back because I was like, I wonder has he committed to uh, USC already? Then I saw he was committed to Miami, and I was like, man, say what you want to say about him not having his staff or whatever together. Crystal Ball is making moves. 
Well, then you look last year, they get in Leonard Taylor, one of my favorite pieces out of last year's recruiting class, five-star defensive tackle, who, if you didn't know Leonard Taylor, the reason he was so good to me is because he had elite hand fighting in conjecture with footwork, right? So one of the things when you're looking at the defensive line, it's how few moves can I use to beat you, right? And the greats, Aaron Donald, they can beat a double team in, in four moves. Yeah. And it's it's all the same. Their right arm moves at the same time. Their leg, everything moves in perfect unison. And I'm not calling Leonard Taylor Aaron Donald. Absolutely not. I'm just saying for a high school kid, you could already tell there was an understanding of how to utilize leverage correctly, like really elite stuff. So Miami has a base, right? It's going to be interesting to see. But OU is doing a lot of great work trying to get some defensive linemen coming in. And then we have the Devin Campbell situation. You have the Connerly situation. By the way, Connerly, if you go back a year, go back a year and watch my video on him. Mm -hmm. This was when he was a four-star. I was saying he's one of the best offensive linemen in the whole class, bar none. Mm -hmm. He's got a rare ability. I think he could be a day one impact guy, depending on where he goes, both inside or outside. Mm-hmm. I think he's got that type of athleticism yeah. and footwork. That's what I'll they say you. about Campbell. I know the reports are is that there's people inside his camp that he wants to go to – he would like to go to OU, but a lot of people are telling him it's Texas for obvious reasons. Really? So, I mean, growing up in Texas, that's, that's yeah. tough, man. That's tough. And then the 150K on top of that? Yeah. Like, we can talk what we want about it, right? Like, we, we've done that at length. But the reality of the situation is, is it's happening right now. We have to yeah. factor it in. That's I don't think I could say no to 150K. No, it's, it's, it's hard to say. It's hard to say no to that, especially when you know that you'll be able to, to just increase that as a freshman. But better live up to the hype. <laughs> but um, I don't I know looking at 247, it looks like LSU is uh, number one in the transfer portal. Uh, LSU, yeah. Yeah. and then USC right after that. I believe yeah. Old Miss comes in next. Arkansas is right up there. Um, yeah. yeah, LSU, Brian Kelly, man, they've done a mm-hmm. hell of a job, and they've lost talent. They've lost players to that portal. They lost mm-hmm. White McLaughlin to Arkansas. Arkansas has killed it. And yeah. then they lose Eli Ricks. Thank you so much for that. Um, but then you look, they get in, uh, gosh, what's it, Jarek Brendan Converse? I just said that right. Converse Brendan? He, the, the, I have his, I have way too many names I've been looking at in the transfer portal. The really good quarter, cornerback for Oklahoma State. Yeah, they got that guy, yeah. Um, he's now over there. Yeah, so, I saw I mean, that. They, and then they get uh they got the running back. They got that running back from Penn State that transferred. Oh it's- yeah, uh Noah Noah Kane. Noah Kane, yeah. yeah. So LSU and Brian Kelly, man, they've quietly, quietly been killing I, the transfer portal. I will tell you the team that I am most interested in watching next year in the SEC is Florida. Interesting. I mean, look, getting Corey Raymond. Florida, look, look I, that that's all great and all, but Napier. Oh, I know Napier very well. Napier has been extremely; he's been really selective, and I feel like what he's basically saying is, is that 
we're still going to get five. We're going to do the whole five-star thing. We're going to go after these kids and stuff, but we're going to be really selective, and I'm going to get the kids in here that I know day one will bring a consistent atmosphere to this to this university. He's getting his running. He's getting a lot of talent from Louisiana, kids that he already knows he's familiar with. This is a gap filler year, okay? Me and you all talk about law and everything and stuff like that. These are gap filler years right here for a team like Florida. Guys like Napier, um, uh, Crystal Ball, hell, I'll throw Venables in there. Those are guys that are, you know, how should I say this? Teams like Texas Tech, when they go out there and get a, a Matt Wells, guys like that, right? They go out there and they get guys like that who are proven coaches, maybe at a G5 level, but come in and add structure to your program all around. But when you look at guys like Venables, Cristobal, and I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and throw Napier in that conversation as well. Those are guys who I believe will not only add stability to your program, not only add structure, but they will add winning, a, a, a winning nature from day one. They will they will bring that atmosphere there. Because that's for better or for worse, you could talk about, I mean, Venables is the only one out of them that well, I'm not gonna say only one that has championships because I believe I know Cristobal does because he was on that Alabama coaching staff, right? Yeah, Napier as well. So you look at those guys and you say they come with that championship pedigree already. Okay. So all they've ever done is win. That's all they know. That's all they know. So it's hard to really doubt that. I think a lot of times we get caught up in the hatred and everything. I look. I hate Texas just as much as the next person. But I tell Texas fans all the time, I didn't say that you guys were going to go five and seven and, 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 and you know, sit there and be serious. I was not serious about that when I said, oh, yeah, they're going to go five and seven. When you went five and seven, I was happy. I prayed for that. I was like, literally every night, I was praying that you guys would lose every game the next day. But I didn't think it was going to happen. And then when I, I was like, man, it really is power and prayer. Word, word. And it really is it really is power of prayer, but still <laughs> all jokes aside though. No, I mean all they've ever done, all they've ever done is, is, is win. That's all they know, Ty. So I would be really interested to see not only my squad, OU, but Miami and Florida. Be really interested to see them next year. Do you want to know why I, I thought that? How do I put this? You want to know why I thought that Nick Saban hiring the cornerback coach he just hired was such a good hire? Why was that? Because the man's from Miami. Mm. And when you look, the state of Florida is so loaded every single year. And now Bama, other teams, they've been able to bleed that state. Go back. Seriously, as soon as this gets off, go back and look at 2021, 2020, 2019. Go look at the top players in Florida and see how few of them stayed home. Yeah, It will turn your stomach. You think yeah. I'm kidding? I mean, I'm talking maybe one or two of the top ten. Yeah. Maybe. It will turn your stomach. Now you add into the situation Billy Napier and Mario Cristobal. You have no choice but to go get an elite recruiter that can handle Florida when you enter those names into the equation. Yeah, because those dudes will... 
I've heard a lot of Florida fans say like, oh, well, Dan Mullen's going to put up a fence around Florida. No, he's not. No. That's not Dan Mullen. Dan Mullen's a great offensive mind. Cristobal and Napier are dudes I could see putting up a fence around Florida. And so yeah. you better go in there and get somebody now that has that understanding of how to recruit that landscape. I know. Because here's my thing. I think, I think that fans often say that way too much and they don't they don't really understand what they're saying the whole well you know texas a&m and texas now they have all this nil money and everything they're going to build a fence around texas and people are not going to be able to come and and, and get these kids no t-o-u ohio state Bama's national yeah it's about winning the battles you can't afford to lose. It's about winning the battles that you can't afford to lose, and it's getting in on kids that that at, at some point there's going to be a volume of kids. There's going to be a class of kids where winning actually really matters to them because they want to be in the national spotlight. They want to play for a winning culture. They want to be around that. Some kids don't want to go to a place and say, well, yeah, it's on me and the rest of these next two or three classes to try to turn this thing around. Some kids are just saying, no, I want to go to a place like Alabama. I want to go to a place like Georgia. Hell, offensively, I want to go play for Lincoln Riley because I know that if I go to these places, I'm going to get drafted. That's the expectation. Yeah, we know what Lincoln does with offense. Yeah. I'm going to I'm going to the league. I just need him to stay here for three to four years, and I'm going to develop. I'm going to the league. I've seen what he's done. That's got to matter to some of these kids as well, because we all know short term nil money. That's all great, fine and dandy, but shoot, you know, as well as you are to, uh, today, <laughs> you won't be the next day. So pales in comparison to that NFL money. Yeah, that NFL money, the longevity. Don't I, I would challenge kids out there. I want you, I'm, I'm, I'm a big, big, big advocator of, of the whole, you know, NIL deals, all the rest of that stuff. But what I will say is this right here. When you think of your money and your potential to your potential earnings, don't think of the latitude, think of the longitude. <laughs> think of the thinking, think in terms of longevity. There's because, a reason Nick Saban at that Texas high school coaches association meeting over yeah. the summer dropped in because he knew what Texas was fixing to do. Yeah. Like, look, Nick Saban's no dummy. He knows what's fixing to happen. He knows the pockets A&M has. He knows the pockets Texas has. Yeah. But he went there and said, yeah, my quarterback, who's never taken a starting snap in college football, yeah, that guy just cleared a mill in NIL money. Yeah. That was a recruiting pitch. He's saying Texas can pay you, A&M can pay you, we can pay you, and that's going to be the next first-round quarterback out of Alabama in Bryce yeah. Young. And he's got yeah. a high to boot. That's the type of pitch that, as much as I, I root for Texas to come back, and I'm intrigued by, they don't have that pitch. They don't. Yeah. And, you know, this is totally random and kind of was. It's relevant, but it's off subject just a tad bit. But you look at Florida State and you say, hey, uh, your coach is down there getting his son, or excuse me, his, uh, his quarterback deals with NIL, deals with Gatorade. You guys need to kind of move fast, or somebody's gonna come and get your guy. Because I like Mike. I thought Mike Nervell was going to be that guy for for Florida State, but this is kind of a this is the year. This is the make it or break it year for him. And especially with what the other Florida schools have just done, that yeah. 
alleviated everything for him. Yeah, they're gonna be screaming. They're gonna be screaming. Especially now, I don't know Travis Hunter. Who'd you say? Especially after they lost Travis Hunter. Yeah. After after I don't know if you were in that Twitter space, but that space was lit. I mean, it was probably they had they were on there for probably at least five to six hours, and they had no less than six hundred people in there. Every time that I clicked on it, each hour they had no less than six hundred people. Sometimes they had like uh, twelve hundred people or so in there on that on that space, and it was crazy. And as soon as you got on, the first thing you had to say was uh, "F Mike Norvell." <laughs> yeah, they wanted to fire. They said fire Mike Norvell. F Mike Norvell. It was. And it wasn't. It wasn't because the kid went to an HBCU. Shout out to all the HBCUs. It was just a fact that man, you had that kid for like two years. And I thought it was funny because people were getting on there saying, "Well, y'all are mad because he's just going to HBCUs." And even I said, "It's not about that." Oh, this kid, where he does. Yeah, this kid. This kid was calling, FaceTiming all the players after games that they would win, talking to them, doing all the rest of this stuff. He wouldn't pick up the phone for Nick Saban because he was he he said in an interview, I'm not answering Nick Saban's calls because I know who Nick Saban is. I want to go to Florida State. That guy can flip me. I don't want to answer his calls. You lost him. Ouch. Yeah. So Ouch. so Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, Florida State, y'all need to get y'all stuff together. <laughs> But, Ty, I think, I mean, I, I don't have anything else to say. You got anything else to say? That's it for me, man. Go ahead and plug your show, bro. So I'm at Around the Table Sports on YouTube. It's going to be coming here soon to all the places you get podcasts. I'm about to be expanding into Spotify, Apple, all of that. But right now, hey. it's only on YouTube. If you want, every Monday at 5.30, I do a live stream, and Chris is always present, and the rare occasion he can't be, but 10 times out of 10, he's going to be there. So stop by, come hang out, watch some college football talk, and just have a good time. But, yeah, that's it. Hey, look, this is the Horns Down Podcast. Todd, thanks for coming on and doing the show with us. We're going to get Seth back. I know y'all probably missing Seth, but we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna get Seth back. But Ty will be hey, a, a – I need to be on here with Seth. Oh uh, yeah, Ty is going to be a, a, a regular on, on our show as well. Um, Ty, there's a lot of there's a lot of things that we, we all need to to get together and do, man. Because we got you put it out there. We got the Texas boys. We got we got a lot of people, man. We need to bring in a, a, a few more ideas. knuckleheads. Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting. Ideas. Yeah, but with that being said, all right then, we're done.